Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. This month's special guest is Barry Broom, President and CEO of the Greater Sacramento Economic Council. Barry discusses how his organization is responding to the current COVID-19 pandemic, and he also shares how he thinks recovery will look. Here are Barry's Economic Development Secrets. Hi, Barry. Thank you so much for joining us today on Economic Development Secrets. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Can you start out, please, by telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a Ohio native, so um, I uh, uh, came up in Columbus and Cleveland, spent most of my life in Cleveland. Um, so when I was a kid in college, you know, if you grow up blue collar in Ohio, you know, you have all these incredibly... Uh, gritty stories about your dad being laid off and losing his job. I was about 16 when my dad's plant closed for the last time. And he, uh, you know, basically never had another job again. I mean, he had jobs, but you know, not a, not a job where you walked in with benefits and pensions and things like that. So growing up in Ohio, um, you know, the kind of economic disruption people are feeling right now, that's every day in Michigan, and every day in Ohio for most people. And it's been that way for 20 years, including West Virginia. So I worked corporately four years. Um, Cleveland, where I was, where I went to college and where I lived, had totally collapsed economically. So um, I went from being a Fortune 500 up and coming brand manager uh, to um, going into an inner city initiative to intervene on young men in particular joining gangs. So I did gang intervention work for five years, leadership development, housing rehabilitation, you know, neighborhood economic development. And then after five years, I gravitated to a mayor's office where I advised three mayors in the Cleveland area, moved on to be in the cabinet for the mayor of Toledo, Ohio. I did the largest industrial deal in the history of the United States which was called Project Jeep. It was about 16,000 jobs. Jeep was founded in Toledo. Founded an organization called Southwest Michigan First. I was the CEO there about six years. And uh, I was in Phoenix 10 years as the Greater Phoenix Economic Council president, which is a much highly regarded national organization. And then the last, about five and a half years ago, I came to Sacramento to launch the Greater Sacramento Economic Council from scratch, we have 43 CEOs, 20 public officials on our board. We raised about $51 million to launch the Economic Development Initiative. And you know, obviously we're focusing on making sure our economy is resilient and inclusive, scaling, delivering high wages, respecting the objectives of climate change, and moving the Sacramento region from a government-based economy to a more tradable sector economy with the objective of being more resilient and being able to bring more people to economic success. So we're now sitting in a situation where obviously we're all gonna be very challenged, but you know, we have a lot of confidence in Sacramento. And we got a lot of confidence in ourselves. So we feel like this is going to be 
our greatest moment in time as a community. Wonderful, that's a great way to look at it. Great, well, can you tell us more about your organization and the community that you serve? Yeah, so we are about 2.5 million people, you know, uh, six counties, um, uh, 15 communities uh, that serve on the board. Um, their city manager or mayor must serve on our board. We have 43 CEOs on our board. So the corporations and investment organization are not allowed to send their marketing manager, their chief marketing officer. They're not allowed to send their government affairs person to the board. So if the CEO doesn't come to the board meeting, the, the company's not represented. Um, uh, you know, 30 of the CEOs made a million dollar pledge to the organization. The other 13 made a half a million dollar pledge to the organization. Obviously, you know, we're going to probably have some disruption in that. And the goal is to get the greater Sacramento region to operate like a single market. So it's about breaking down the municipalities and counties, creating a seamless relationship between the public institutions and the CEO partners, building your economy around institutions that you can count on, like University of California, Davis, number five public university, the rise of Sacramento State, which is really becoming an exciting university, our community college system. So it's about institutional grit, resiliency, mobility, and an emphasis on being into the new economic direction of the country and about making sure everybody has a chance to participate in that success, whether they be African-American, Latino, immigrant, veteran, disabled, uh, so on and so forth. So we have a kind of an eye on growth and excellence. And then at the same time, you know, that peripheral vision makes sure that that economic model is distributed and lifting everyone. Great. Well, and I know you just mentioned some of the strengths of your community. What would you say some of the strengths of your organization are? Um, I think the, the greatest strength is our board. So when we work with UC Davis, you know, we have Chancellor Gary Mays on our executive committee. When we work with Sacramento State, uh, Robert Nelson, the president of Sacramento State's on our board. Uh, Daryl Steinberg, the mayor of Sacramento, is on our board. And then, of course, you know, the, the Sacramento Kings ownership, the Major League Soccer team, we just uh, was awarded in the last several months. Kevin Nagel's on our board. So the board is the leadership of the community. And so they meet four times a year for two hours. We don't meet them to death. If you have a CEO on your board and you make them meet more than four times a year for two hours, they're going to be looking to do something else. So, you know, it's a governance and leadership board, and we think that's the strength of organization. We've populated our organization with really talented people. So, you know, we have very high standards. We have very high expectations. Uh, my executive vice president, Danielle Casey, uh, was Arizona Economic Developer of the Year about two years ago. She's on uh, IEDC's board. She was 40 under 40 internationally. You know, I've had a pretty good run professionally. So it's the leadership of the board and the depth and talent of the people that work in the organization that are a real strength. Wonderful. Well, it's my understanding that the Greater Sacramento Economic Council has launched a resource page for COVID-19. How else is your organization responding to the pandemic? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think probably a lot of people did this the first five, six, seven days, you know, we were all on this frenetic pace because I think, you know, we're trying to control outcomes. I think one of the things 
that you do when you run a successful economic development organization is, you know, I always look for leverage. That's why you build the board the way that we have. And that's why it's the strength of the organization. You know, when you've got the top leaders, when you have the CEOs on your board, you have leverage. And so I think when COVID came down and we spiraled, you know, down so quickly, people were looking for leverage. You know, you saw microloan funds going out the door for cities and things like that. And now that the dust is starting to settle a little bit on this and you can start to see, you know, best case to worst case scenarios, you know, from an organizational standpoint, you know, we just took our current business model and accelerated it. You know, a lot of times when I think all good economic development organizations are essentially running change agendas. And when you're running a change agenda, you know, people are resistant to change. But change occurs best in a crisis. So what I think now is things like our, you know, we've been developing a California Mobility Center, the Sacramento State and SMUD. Uh, we're breaking ground in November on a $1 billion uh, regenerative medicine platform with UC Davis. 31 companies have committed to join um, that development. It's called Aggie Square. Um, you know, we, we really feel like a lot of the things that we were doing from 2008, you know, the lesson in 2008 is Sacramento was dependent upon housing construction and government. And we just got clobbered in 2008. So no matter how difficult these numbers are coming, they're probably not gonna be anywhere near the numbers of 2008 because we work so hard on our resiliency. So making sure that our major projects continue to go forward, because a lot of times capital intensive projects will go away in a market like this. So we wanna make sure that we're telling those investors that these are the construction preferences you were hoping for six months ago. You know, it takes you know 18 to 24 months to go through a construction cycle. When you come out on the other side, you're gonna have the best financing, best construction pricing. And when you come out on the other side, you're gonna be back at a full robust market. So making sure people are building with confidence, continue to mobilizing our community to pivot away from government into a more dynamic economy, around things like digital transformation, life sciences and mobility, and then improving our uh, reputation as a market within California and broadly that, you know, Sacramento is no longer a government town. Uh, you know, we're no longer a place that lacks civic dynamism that maybe people aspired to us 20 years ago, but that it's really a region on the rise, uh, that we're thinking big and that we're gonna be aggressive and we're gonna finish our transformation from a government town to the state capital of California. Great. That all sounds like wonderful resources and a great way to prepare for the future. So how do you see this pandemic changing the way that we work? Well, obviously, you're going to see bigger and more robust digital transformation. I mean, you know, all the digital, you know, I'm 58. So all the digital skills I have, I've developed in the last 21 days. So I went from just text messaging to emails to like Zoom and GoTo meetings. And so, I mean, I think we're learning how efficient and productive it is to work online. I think we're probably observing uh, that some, um, um, you know, telecommuting can add value to the organization. I think you're gonna see a little less emphasis on real estate, more emphasis on talent. I think you'll see more smaller companies operating more virtually going forward. And I think things like, you know, digital based enterprises, whether it's health tech, insurance tech, 
real estate tech, you know, a lot of these, you know, the, the relationship between fintech firms and banking, uh, the move away from uh, molecules into cell therapies. I think you're going to see the kind of, you know, like electric vehicles, uh, modern mobility. A lot of those things are things that, you know, we've worked on in a fascinating way in the last five years, but we haven't really necessarily made the move deeply into those directions. And my hope is, um, since we've been working on them, that, you know, this pandemic is going to get people to think differently about, you know, how important transit is, you know, how, you know, online education, you know, something California hasn't done a very good job at, you know, UCs and the Cal State schools uh, were very resistant to online education. In fact, we had little or no online education. Well, today they're 100% online. So having our higher education uh, system shift to a 100% online learning platform, I think is going to do a lot to improve the efficiency of higher ed in California, and it's going to allow us to have more efficient educational reach than we did before the pandemic. So these are things where the academic senates weren't that comfortable with. If you know anything about higher ed in California, basically the universities are really led and run by our, higher, our, our academic talent. Our faculty runs our universities. Uh, and so they have been historically remiss in seeing online education as a value. So I think now when this pandemic comes back, you know, all of the faculty members have learned that this online education tool gives you reach. I think it could lead to greater access to higher education uh, in California, which I think will be a very positive thing. And then I think you'll see communities like Sacramento, which, you know, our real value proposition to a business is the kind of employee experience that you get in Sacramento. I mean, even you know, prior to the downturn, uh, rents in Sacramento were at the national average. So while our, our colleagues in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley were you know, 300%, 400% the national average, we were at the national average in housing on rents and uh, near the, you know, higher on the uh, ownership side, but you know, the average housing price in Sacramento is about $370,000. Not much different than Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, you know, places like that. And of course, because of Prop 13, you don't pay property taxes. So we think our housing affordability advantage was maintaining during the upside. And I think coming out of the pandemic, it'll be even more valuable. We also have, you know, really strong public schools in the region, great quality of life, fantastic weather. So I think, I think you're going to see Bay Area and Silicon Valley talent continue to come to Sacramento. I think you're going to see more telecommutes you know, which will be a little bit different. And I think, uh, I, I think, you know, as long as we execute with courage and, you know, we don't end up in a worst case scenario economically, meaning the pandemic, you know, keeps going on and revisiting itself and lifting its head. And, you know, as long as we're not fighting this thing for 12 months, you know, we think we're going to come out of here in better shape than 08 and then be able to take advantage of all of our hard work the last five years. Um, I've heard that you've been very positive about your region getting through the economic challenges of COVID-19. Why is that? And what does recovery look like for you guys? Well, I mean, you know, in the past, you know, Sacramento, you know, our goal, you know, we had a negative goal in Sacramento. And what I mean by negative goal is, you know, when you're in California, so if anyone's listening to this podcast, 
uh, outside of California, which I know you have an Austin presence. So when you're in, if you look at Texas and you look at all of Texas's economic growth, when has economic growth hurt Texas? So Austin, you know, okay, their downtown traffic stinks, you know, but I mean, you know, Dallas is not really hurt by the growth. Austin, you know, maybe a little pressure on the infrastructure, but nothing like LA or San Francisco, right? So when people look at California and they think, well, California is kind of, you know, a little out there on their economic policies, you know, we worry more about climate change than we do economic resiliency because economic resiliency has been a matter of fact in California for 75 years. We've never not been economically resilient. As soon as the modern economy occurred, we've had it in spades every single year since, you know, 1946. So unlike other places where you've had to actually build your economy, we just have always had ours. And really the economy in California, a little bit like what Seattle's gone through, you know, it's not always a fun thing. You know, it causes traffic, it creates housing prices that are difficult. So Sacramento's goal was not to be San Francisco and not to be LA. You know, we didn't want to lose our housing advantages. We didn't want to lose our ability. You know, we have short commute times to work. You know, it takes you 20 minutes to drive to work for most of us in Sacramento. I live a mile from my office, so it's easier. So it became a strategy of not versus a strategy of forward thinking. Well, 08 clocked us a lot harder than we realized. And so now we've been on a strategy of who we are and who we want to become. And I think the fact that, you know, we have probably six billion dollars of capital investment getting ready to go in the ground so far everyone's telling us it's not going to be disrupted that's probably more capital investment we had between 2000 and 2008 in the whole in a 10-year period so what's happening right now from an impact standpoint is bigger and better than we've ever had before we've sort of evolved beyond we don't want to end up like san francisco so we have 30,000 people that move from San Francisco to Sacramento every year. That means in the last five years, we have had 150,000 people move from San Francisco to Sacramento regionally. And they show up like anybody at the PTAs and the council meetings, and they join the chamber and they tell tales of why they left San Francisco. So we've gone from, we don't wanna be San Francisco to we wanna be the state capital. And we wanna build that economy around our universities and around, uh, economies that have public good associated with them, like Aggie Square cell therapies. I mean, uh, you know, UC Davis is pivotally involved in some of these trials on the vaccine for COVID-19. So our universities can create jobs and cure people's lives, create jobs and lower the carbon footprint. So it's more in line with a job growth strategy that's inclusive, that meets the value of Californians, and then it allows us to go from being a government town afraid of becoming overrun like San Francisco to the state capital with a vision of a carbon-free economy, an economy that feeds the world around food and ag, an economy that changed public health around uh, regenerative medicine, and um, you know, I, I think an economy that allows everybody to participate in it. Wonderful, wonderful. Wow. Lots of exciting things going on, it sounds like, and things to look forward to as we hopefully as we will someday get over these challenges of the coronavirus. So uh, Barry, I have a few wrap-up questions for you. The first is, what is your biggest economic development secret to success for other economic developers out there listening? I would say um, 
you know, one of the things that I learned, and I, I, I probably learned this in Michigan, I was in Michigan in six and a half years. So for those of us that are in the West Coast going through this pandemic, 1999 to 2020 in Michigan, I mean, a 20-year period, with the exception of the last two or three years where Michigan really started to come back from recovery. I mean, you basically live with seven, eight, nine, 10% unemployment when you're a Michigan economic developer. I mean, that's, that's your life. That's not a recession. That's, that's when you get up every day. How do you mo mobilize people and motivate people when they live in seven, eight, nine percent unemployment, they can't keep their college kids. And one of the things that I learned about leading communities is if you give your community a big dream, people gravitate towards dreams. And I think what happens in economic development is it's, you know, nationally, um, the profession has become too political. There's too many people in leadership and I always call you know, the president of your economic development organization shouldn't be another politician. You know, they should be held to a higher standard. They should be grittier than that. So I think if you lead with grit in reality, they don't, we don't need another mayor. You know, we don't need someone that's afraid to say something that's going to upset people if they need to get the information. You know, your community needs a leader. And if you come out and lead on facts and evidence and you challenge your community to step up and you wrap it around a dream and a vision, I think you'll find no matter where you are in the country, your community will rally right with you. And that's always been my key to my success. Big dreams. Great. That's a great economic development secret and wonderful advice. My last question, uh, Barry, is what is your favorite hobby? Yoga. But I, I'm like all good economic, though. I work, you know, I drink beer and I go to, and I do yoga. <laughs> that sounds like a very happy life. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah really great economic developers are, are really one-dimensional people, I find. You know, they it's kind of like any other profession. If you really love it, you know, it's like it's what I do for fun. So the first 10, 15 years I was a CEO, and people would say, Well, what do you do for fun? And I really couldn't even give them an answer because what I did for fun was my work. You know, I loved my work so much and I loved the privilege of leading a community and the thrill of making it better. I mean, my work's better than a vacation in Hawaii. So I've, had, I've only begun to take vacations in the last two years. Now we're in a pandemic, so I won't take them again. But you know, I've always found the work itself to be so gratifying and exciting that outside of spending time with my family and finding a little bit of balance through yoga, there isn't much other things I wanna do other than to do this work and to do a better job for my community. Well, that's wonderful. I'm happy to hear that. Um, very, very good. Well, Barry, thank you so, so much for joining us today and talking about how your community is dealing with COVID-19 and uh, what you're seeing in the future. It's very helpful. And uh, I know to all the listeners, um, the blog post that this is posted in, um, or if you're catching it on you know, SoundCloud or iTunes, check out the blog post. Um, on Impact Data Source's website for it because um, I have a link on the blog post um, to the Greater Sacramento Economic Council's COVID resources for you. So definitely go check those out. It's very important. I also have Barry's email address listed out there so that you can get in touch with Barry, ask him questions if you have any. I'm sure Barry would be happy to answer any of their questions. And uh, thank you so, so much, Barry. I really appreciate you being on the podcast.
Thank you. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.